0: welcome to the Well Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to be talking about some of our favorite bookish places. So we're not going to be recommending our usual format of uh, three books each. And then what we're reading, we're just going to talk about some of our favorite places that we've been uh, that have something to do with books. Uh, Anne, this is your idea, right? It was where did the inspiration come from?
1: Cuz I like books. <laughs> you like going to bookish places and I like going to bookish places. Um so I I just was like every now and then our our format is basically one of us thinks of something and then texts the other and then we say that sounds great for next week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and go forward from there. And so I think I just thought of of how much we both love to travel and how often you know, our mutual love of books and travel can overlap Mm -hmm. and that it can be fun to to recommend some of those places to Mm -hmm. listeners um, because it's kind of a recurring theme with with book loving people that they love to talk about bookish places Mm -hmm. as well. So um, it just seemed fun to me. Yeah, that's a fun topic. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, So let's start
0: with are there any notable libraries you've ever been to that you would want to share with our listeners?
1: Oh, man. So do you go to libraries when you travel? Like, even if it's not a major city, do you, like, pop into, into the library ever? Will they kick me
0: out of the library profession if I say no? <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> So unfortunately, the answer to that is no. I yeah. I sometimes think of it that it would be fun, but I don't don't usually follow through. I have been to the New York Public Library that was one that I made sure to go to when I went to visit New York last time. I'm trying to think where else I don't know. you can start talking and I'll think if there are any other ones can okay. do but no I know that I know a lot of people who are librarians who do that wherever yeah. they go they go to the local library uh, but no I don't I don't tend to do that
1: I don't really do it either if it's not a big famous library Mm -hmm. like like in in Beaufort all the time people would come in and say I'm a librarian in Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. city and I'd want to check out your library and we'd kind of show them around a little bit and um so so I think that's really common but yeah I don't do it a lot for your regular town library Mm -hmm. but um, but if it's a city, I do like to check that out just because usually there's some cool art or um, a really cool building. So um, the I've only been to New York once as an adult and I went to the Morgan Library, which is basically a manuscript and fine books uh, oh. special collection um, that was started by someone... <laughs> J.P. Morgan. That's who it is. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And so it's his house. It's his mansion. And it's just unbelievably beautiful. It was built on the backs of workers. And <laughs> I sort of forget that when I look at it um, because it's just so beautiful. But it's one of those Gilded Age mansions that's like you kind of can't imagine that anyone actually lived that way and had that much money. But mm-hmm. um, but he turned over all of his, his uh book collecting to a museum for for the public um and so it's housed in this in this gorgeous mansion and so he had um when I was there I remember um there was at least a I want to say a Jane Austen manuscript there Mm. that was really cool and they had an exhibit of Dickens um that was like a a special like they, they have rotating exhibits and that was up at the time and so they had various manuscripts and and illustrations from various editions of, of his books and that was really cool so th- things like that I think are fun to um, not only to see the permanent collection but also to see what what has traveled around and or, or what things they have in the vault that they're showcasing at the time so so yeah that was that was a definite highlight and I, I did go of course to New- to the New York Public Library when mm. I was there um, and I may or may not have cried <laughs> oh really which I did <laughs> Cause I just got feeling like, like. You know, libraries change lives, and yeah. the the, the concept of pooling resources for the common good, and and knowledge being a resource. I just got really emotional when I went into the Rose Reading Room there. So, yeah. so yeah. I really liked going to the New York Public Library. So a couple of years ago,
0: or maybe even longer. Yeah, probably longer than that. Now, I went to New York, and my sister. My sister and I went. We saw Hamilton for the first time. It was the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> it truly was. The, I did refer to this as the best day of my life because I ended up seeing two Broadway shows in one day, which I realized would be like your nightmare, but my it was my nightmare. dream. Yes. What was the other one? Beautiful, which is the Carol King story. And oh, it was okay. a last minute ticket that I got um, like at the tickets booth in Times Square. Yeah. Anyway. But when I was there, the reason I'm saying this is because I had never been to New York when I could kind of wander around by myself. I was always there with other people. And when I was there that time, my sister was also there, but she was working during the day. And so I would have the days to myself to do whatever I wanted. And then we would meet up for lunch or – and then, again, dinner time, but – during the day, I would just have to be on my own. So one of the things I absolutely positively wanted to do was to go to The Strand, which <laughs> we will talk about bookstores, but uh, <laughs> and New York public library. And so um, I was, I I loved it. It was such a beautiful building. I mean, it's such a historic building. Yeah. Uh, but I was kind of surprised about the areas that I couldn't get to as a visitor. Like, it was interesting to me the way they reserve parts of it for the people using the library. And you can't tour in those areas. So yeah. there's a... I'm trying to remember, is it an audio tour you can take? Maybe I think feel like it is. but maybe it's just like a walking like um, written kind of plates on the wall kind of tour that you can wander around and look at. But part of it is that I was my point is that it's a' it's a library that people use for research and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's a, a li- it's not just, it's not just to wander around and think oh I want to go see stuff whereas I'm used to the libraries that I use my little local libraries where you can walk in and go anywhere because yeah. it's a it's a public building and this is very much set up for tours and the historic aspects and then parts of the library for for uh people who are actually using the library and they're library card holders or so they have a reason to be there so yeah um I don't know that was that was unexpected to me and then how much of um I don't think that if you lived in new york you're probably regularly going to the new york the the main what you think of for the new york public library you're going to the to a branch where you can get your the newest ton of french
1: book uh and not to that main right um, big building it's kind of hilarious too because just kitty corner to it is the mid-manhattan branch Mm -hmm. that is that is the right the, the branch you would go to yeah um and it's it's funny because you because you do walk up to that gorgeous building and, and you're having all these imaginations of of checking out your books and then that's then you look like behind you and there's an actual functioning right library <laughs> i had a friend who worked at that library at the mid-manhattan one one. Oh and, really um yeah i was a little jealous yeah nice it was cool so what um, other libraries have you visited the other two that came to mind so the the british library was another one that had a, a gorgeous manuscript collection Mm -hmm. of um just everything that you could imagine so it had the exhibit I saw which might have been just a permanent the permanent collection had like letters from Henry VIII to Anne Boleyn alongside manuscripts from Angela Carter and Jane Austen manuscripts and lyrics that the Beatles wrote down on the backs of receipts and things like that and it was really cool to see what they considered their literature their national literature so um because i would just think books but they were they were a lot more expansive in what they considered and so that was a really cool like they had the magna carta was just sitting there oh my gosh it was just there oh my gosh <laughs> ah, so much history and so so that was really fun um that was definitely a highlight, and then another library that's that's just sort of dear to my heart because I like Denmark is the Danish National Library, and that one is cool because the front of it is in like a Baroque building, and then they've added on the second part that's hyper-modern, and it's called the Black Diamond, and it's right on the harbor, and so when you're crossing from one part of the building to the other, they're just they're just juxtaposed together and I've never seen anything quite like that before actually I've seen a few museums in Denmark that do the same thing hmm. but it's it's like they they need that to add on to the library and they don't try to disguise it mm-hmm. as being part of the original building they just yeah. say we're going the opposite direction and so then there's this this moment where you're like changing centuries it's it's one of the, <laughs> the coolest buildings I've ever seen and so um so when I go visit my brother in Denmark then I haven't been there um, the last few times but but I've gone there a couple of times and it's 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 really it like hits both sides of my brain that I like because I love mm-hmm. modern Danish design and I love historic buildings and so I get all of it at once. So that's that's a favorite for me. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to think
0: I don't think I've I mean again, other than my local library that I frequent I'm very excited they started curbside pickup yesterday oh yeah Tuesday um I don't I don't I am trying to think I don't think oh well my sister who lives in the suburbs of Chicago they had a new library open when I was visiting one time and so we went there and checked it out that I do find that <laughs> interesting I will say whenever I go anywhere for work that's any that has a nearby library I do go if I'm so when we were just in Nashville not too long ago, I went Yay. to the Nashville Public Library, went to the Philadelphia Free Library when I was there in January. Uh-huh. So I guess I do what you are saying, but not on my vacations. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. when I'm visiting and I'm somewhere for work. Yeah. So I have seen and I like I always take pictures of different things that the libraries are doing that are interesting or different than I've seen before. Yeah. Share them with my
1: coworkers and stuff like that. But when we we had uh at Beaufort when we had people come in, um, they would always from other locations, they would always be super excited about our automatic check in machine mm-hmm. if they were from a smaller town than Beaufort, which by all rights, Beaufort shouldn't have had automatic right, check in right. for the size that it that it served, but we did. And they always wanted to see demonstrations of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of fun because it's it's just so easy to be to impress people with something like that.
0: So that you, when I worked in um, at the Bluffton Library, we would get classes of kids coming. The teacher would call and say, can we bring kids over to see the library and get a tour of typically pretty little kids, like kindergartners, first graders, that age range. And um, to get a tour of the public library, get a library card, usually, and oh my gosh, showing those kids the automatic sorter was <laughs> such entertainment. I mean, we, we could have just done nothing else but that, and they would have been so excited. They would cheer when every, so. The, <laughs> the the books were tagged with an rfid tag so the sorter would know which bin to throw it into right. and so every time that would happen kids would get so excited it was yeah. adorable it was so well cool.
1: and at my branch the 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 machine was in a glassed-in room oh so right you'd see we actually had a little stool so a kid it was really common for a parent to say okay go stand there and then the kid to stand on the stool and then the parent would push through yeah. would push put the book through the slot and so they could watch it sorting into whatever cool. whatever bin which is really cute That's that was horrible. you know the things you look forward to on a reference desk or <laughs> things like that so yeah uh, all right so any other libraries that stick out in your mind that are a must see? Not for me, but I will tell a short story about how my sister, when my hometown library was, uh, they built a new library and and repurposed the old one for a historical museum. Mm -hmm. And my sister wanted to be the first person in the building. (laughs) This is like in 1989 or 90 or something like that. So she was... Uh, like seventeen, and so she camped out the night before. Oh no way! In front of this building, yeah, and had friends come through the night to bring her snacks and and you know keep her company. She's pretty fearless. I'm I'm a much more fearful person about murder and stuff like that. But this is also the '90s, so yeah. everything was okay then. Nobody was thinking about it. I yeah. mean, I'm sure people were thinking about it then, but yeah, we were, not we as were much past the now, yeah, right, and past the serial killer of heyday of the '70s. Mm-hmm versus now we were in a sweet spot of safety which was the late 80s and early 90s so um so she camped out there and then the morning of the like a crowd started to to um form because it was the opening day of the library and some kid like a i don't know i want to say like 15 or something she'll she'll correct me i don't remember how old he was but but a teenager too um just walked up to the like she had stepped away for a second and all everyone else there had said okay this is this girl this crazy Mm. girl is going to be the first one in (laughs) and this kid just walked up to the to the doors and was waiting and she tried to tell him like i've been sitting here all night and he wouldn't let he would he was (gasps) like i'm gonna do this so she found a way into the library like she went up to the second floor where the administration offices were and then went down a second elevator And came out into the library and then, like, turned to him and pointed at him and said, and, like, motioned number one to him. No way! (laughs) And then the librarian came up and was like, what are you doing in here? And so she had to, like, scramble back out. No way! Which sister is this? Elizabeth. No way! That's amazing! (laughs) so, it's so her, and it's such a great, like, like, like... I mean that's still our local library, and my sister was the first one in, and she she did face to a to a kid younger than her. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! So that's a good story. Uh, in our family, we're we're pretty library uh, focused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wow. anyway, yeah.
0: All right. So one thing I do. I don't go to libraries, but I do like to check out bookstores, different places. So when I was in Nashville not too long ago, you and I met up at a bookstore as our uh, meeting spot before we yes. went up to dinner. One, a bookstore that I've wanted to visit for a long, long time. It's Parnassus Books in Nashville, which is owned by, part, part owned, partly owned by um, an author, Ann Patchett, who is a favorite author of mine. And it was just as magical as I imagined it would be. It's a beautiful, beautiful store. Um, it was lovely to just walk around. They were having a an author event there that night, and I my impression is they have a lot of author events. You will know better since you actually live in Nashville. Um, <laughs> but I um, I see I do follow them on social media, and so I see a lot of what they do. But they had some they had some neat things. They had a little book club section that I'm always interested to know what book clubs are reading. Yeah. Um, and so they have like their own in-house book clubs that they do, and then they have um, I think some local book clubs maybe that that were represented there. Yes, um, yeah. They have a whole uh, wall, or like not a wall, like a section on the wall of books by Ann Patchett and then books that Ann Patchett recommends, which I bought one of the books that she recommended.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they had a nice little quarter with gifts and that sort of thing. Cookbooks. You were looking at the cookbooks, right, And Yeah, always. Always. We're living um. in a golden age of cookbooks, and it's ruining my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so when we were there, you told me that when you first moved to Nashville, that was one of your kind of go-to
1: spots. But now you don't go there as much anymore, right? I don't. I don't. Tell me why. So, my, so there's a second bookstore that I go to much more to actually shop. And I I still go to Parnassus a lot, or I did before uh, right. everything shut down, but but I, I do go to author events there really frequently, but to actually shop, and for other author events that are more small readings, I go to a store called The Bookshop that um, used to be called Her Bookshop, but the, uh, I guess a lot of people thought that it was a feminist bookstore, <laughs> and so oh, yeah. the, the owner, uh, Joelle, changed the name, and it's just this little jewel box of a store it's i think only 500 square feet i want to say it's tiny and um i go there instead of parnassus because this is the the store that made me realize that if i want to keep if i support bookshops or if i support if i give my money to amazon i am not supporting bookshops and my local bookshop specifically and so I it changed the way I thought about buying books completely because it's such a, sl- a small store that it it needs to survive and I mm-hmm. need to do the work to make it survive and mm-hmm. I know Parnassus will be fine and so I choose to put my money toward the bookshop. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Beaufort I didn't have an option other than um, Amazon and mm-hmm. when I th- and I had always thought well I can't afford to buy full price books, and this mm-hmm. is why I need to buy these through Amazon. But then it finally occurred to me that it, these bookstores that I go to offer me, even if I'm buying books at full price, I'm also paying for the events that they mm-hmm. bring to me and the community that they have there and um, the personalization that you can get from, from getting to know your bookseller. And that's something that I'm getting for free. That adds so much value to my life. Like mm-hmm. if if I didn't go, if I didn't have those things, I wouldn't do very much in Nashville because that's where my interests lie. I mean, I have other interests too, of course, but but it adds so much richness to my life to be able to have those events and and that experience. And so mm-hmm. it... So I, I just made a decision to stop buying books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part. Occasionally there's there's something that comes up where I need something immediately and, and I I'm not one hundred percent anti-Amazon, but it it really changed my focus on mm-hmm. on how I thought of those things. So so I just love it. it. they do all kinds of kind of quirky author talks. So one kind of recent that I went to was a, a woman who wrote a book called Roadsides, which is basically a road trip manual to the South, um, based on the food that she experienced and she hand draws the pictures of it. And so it's all these regional treats basically. And that's just not the kind of thing that you get all the time in Mm -hmm. other bookstores. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, yeah, I just, I really love that shop. It's, it gives me a panic attack every single time I go in because I'm, So intimidated by everyone there, and the owner Joelle is so nice, she couldn't be a nicer person or more accommodating. And I still stutter and make a fool of myself every time. It's not because she's doing anything, it's because my social anxiety kicks up with how much I want her to like me. So, (laughs) um, but I go there very, very often. And right now, they're doing um, they're not allowing browsing, but you can go. Uh, order books and then pick them up. And, and they just put everything at the window and you have a brief conversation and it just, even just having that and not even being able to go inside, but just having a, a little moment back at that shop does my heart a lot of good. So, um, so that's my, my local bookstore, I think.
0: Well, it's funny. So I do have, you know, I was in the same situation as you when I lived in South Carolina, there weren't really any local bookstores although we did have a barnes and noble on hilton head where i lived but um and then i moved here where we have quite a few actually independent bookstores that are fabulous but the one that i so there are two i have a local one called golden fig which is a relatively new store here locally and it's a used bookstore but they do have some new books um and i've gotten to know the owner a little bit because i have um sold to him a lot of the books that i've gotten um, over the last several years for the reading committee that I've been on so we we've chatted about you know the committee work that I do and what what kind of books I read and stuff so that's that's a kind of a local favorite but then I have another favorite that is not local but it's one I have supported recently especially as I've been buying books uh, for presents or just for myself Um, and it's called The Bookshelf and it's in Thomasville Georgia and I know about it because they have a podcast and oh this i one, think yeah. yeah so i think if you are listening to this podcast and you love books and if you aren't already listening to um it's called from the front porch and it is the owner of the bookshelf annie b jones it used to be annie b jones and um a coworker of hers and he has since gotten his phd and i believe moved to be a professor and so now it's just Annie, and then different. Um, she has kind of like a rotation of guest hosts, or sometimes it's just her. And um, it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, podcast, just for book lovers. But the same, sort of the same thing you were talking about—the bookshop enriching your life. I feel that way about the bookshelf, and I feel like it has. It's something I thoroughly enjoy listening to, and it's there is a version. They have a Patreon, so there is a. I do give them some money that way. But I thought when I can support them, I should support them because they do a lot of good work. It's a relatively small town. Um, I think it's it's pretty near Tallahassee, I believe. I think oh, okay. it's like 45 minutes away from Tallahassee. Um, so I think that they do get people who are visiting Thomasville for various reasons, not just local shopping there but but yeah for sort of the same reason that you said you're supporting the bookshelf because it enriches or excuse me the book shop um Mm -hmm. i have been supporting the bookshelf from far away um which i think they actually have quite a few people that support them from far away who sort of know them through the podcast because it's a it's a pretty small staff i think it's maybe like five people um Mm -hmm. but they talk often about the events that they have and the different things they do and i think it's a really worthwhile kind of store to ha- yeah. to exist in the world they do some neat things they're fun to follow on on social media so that's sort of my favorite non-local bookstore yeah um that i support that and again if you like if you like this podcast they do a much better job on over on their podcast so i would definitely
1: definitely listen to them it's also been cool over the past few days to to see people posting black owned bookshops mm-hmm. that that you can support and so. Yeah. um definitely if you don't have a local bookstore Mm -hmm. then there are plenty of ways you can get books that are not Amazon yeah and um, I hadn't really thought about that before the last couple of years and so it's it's been neat to see that development um, yeah yeah sort of sort of online too
0: and bookshop.org is another we talked about this a little while ago because we've started linking to bookshop.org but um, that's another way if you live somewhere that doesn't have an independent bookstore if it's difficult for whatever reason to get there or if you just prefer to have your book shipped to you that's a great way to do it you can either link up to a specific bookstore or just generally if you order from there they give a percentage of their profits to independent bookstores right it's a good option
1: um do you have any other bookstores that are favorites um one more is called uh nevermore books and Mm -hmm. it is in beaufort south carolina Uh it was next door to the library branch where i worked and if i could make me into a bookstore (laughs) This is me in bookstore form because it had a strong mystery presence mm-hmm. and it had a strong spooky presence. And so it had all of these ravens all over the place and like skulls and stuff, but it was very tastefully done. It wasn't, it wasn't like kitschy at all. It was very, very just beautiful and mm-hmm. almost like being in in an antique store and a bookstore at the same time I like to think of myself As a classy person So <laughs> this was This was this was like The perfect mix of of How, like my aesthetic basically So um, I'm not sure if it I think it was in a former Carriage house, I want mm-hmm. to say um, I can't say For sure, but but it has giant um, I'm doing with my hands, giant windows um, that look like, like kind of driveways that a carriage would, would uh, go into. Mm-hmm. And they had these really incredible um, window displays that they kept up all the time, and they, they would sort of fashion everything into looking like a little sitting room. And so it would be these tufted uh, sofas and, and wooden chairs and everything with these little book displays and um sort of artfully presented in in the midst of this furniture and and sort of um little objects and stuff and i just loved going in there and it's kind of funny because it it wasn't open the entire time i worked at that branch but i didn't go for a really really long time and i'm uh, they did have some kind of wonky hours at, at first um but I'm not sure why I didn't go in there. I think it's cause I knew it would be dangerous for me. <laughs> and so I just avoided it for a while. Um, and then once I went in, I couldn't stop going all the time and they always had some book that I, um, had never heard of. And I got a lot of Patricia Highsmith novels there that I had mm-hmm. never heard of beyond the, the Ripley books. Um, it just, it was a treat every single time. I just loved it. And I, I miss it all the time. Um, so whenever I go back to Beaufort to visit then that will be a, a definite stop for me cuz it's it was it was just so much fun to go in there. So it's still there. As far as I know, yeah. Mm. I think they had some hurricane damage mm. the um maybe the last hurricane mm-hmm. that went through. I feel like I saw a picture of them repairing a window at mm. some point. So um as far as I know, I should double check on that, but yeah. but it's um you know, obviously it has a, a bit of an Edgar Allan Poe theme mm-hmm. with the name, but I just adored it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um,
0: all right. What about any other kind of places that aren't bookstores or libraries, but are book related? Do you have any of those?
1: Um, yeah. So so when I travel, I usually look for like author Location. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> um, sorts of sorts of things that I can incorporate into my traveling. Um the first time I did that, it was a, it actually caused a giant fight with my brother. <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> we were on a road a cross country road trip, and we were driving from Arizona to Chicago and doing all kinds of sort of um, meandering mm-hmm. driving along the way. It took about two weeks and. We, for some reason, ended up in Wisconsin, and I don't I don't remember why we went up that direction. But I realized we were really, really close to the childhood home location of Laura Ingalls Wilder, mm-hmm. and th- those are books I loved growing up. And um, I I know that they're they're pretty problematic in many ways, mm-hmm. um, but I I you know hadn't really thought about that at all at the time, and and this was like in two thousand one or something like that. So the world hadn't hadn't really uh wasn't as as uh, aware of those issues mm-hmm. at the time. Right. Um and so I said, "Oh my gosh, we're we're so close to this. Can we can we go there? We're like 11 miles away." And I think the reason that we did was because um we had also we drove through South Dakota too, which is uh, she lived in South Dakota for many years and mm-hmm. I had wanted to go to to the to the um town that she lived there and it was too far out of the way, and my brother felt a little bit guilty about it, and so he said, okay, we can go to this, this place in, in uh, Wisconsin, and then we go there, and it's not her actual house. It's a, a replica, and there's really nothing there. It's just like a sign, basically, <laughs> and he was so angry <laughs> with me. <laughs> I just remember him saying, it's not her real house? <laughs> Why are we here? So, um, but that was sort of, that sort of started my appetite for going to, to those kinds of places. So anytime I'm traveling, if I, if I have, um, anything that's, that's like an author that I admire and I can go to their house, then, then I'll incorporate it. What's been your favorite? Um, I mean, you can't beat Bath and Mm -hmm. all the Jane Austen stuff there. Um, not, not that there's even like you can't tour a house that she lived in there, but there is a Jane Austen Center that mm-hmm. has been been built since then. Um, that really doesn't have anything of hers at all. <laughs> it's just sort of a, a museum that that celebrates her without any of her belongings or, or you know, just some some videos and stuff like that. Um, but when you're walking around and you you have read her books and so many of her I mean she has two books that are that take place in Bath and and she's very specific on on locations in those books, then it's it's just you can imagine yourself there so easily because the town has changed so little in, you know, since the Georgian period. So um so I I kind of still have very magical um memories of, of that. Especially I was there kind of I was there all day, but I stayed, um you know summer and so the the sun went down really late and so Mm -hmm. it was light outside but it was definitely evening and all the tourists had left and I just remember waiting for my train and walking around and and just it felt otherworldly to be there so that's a good memory
0: oh nice yeah I'm trying to think if I've ever
1: gone to an author's
0: home or anything like that (laughs) I can't think I can't think of any what kind of book lover are you I know. I just read all the time. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have. Maybe Ernest Hemingway. Oh, really? That's Key West, right? I think so. Yeah. With his six-toed cats. Yeah, yeah.
1: There many years ago. That Um, looks like a cool house, just for the location. mm -hmm. I don't like Hemingway very much, but. No, me neither. I think that's why I'm sort of like I
0: think I went there.
1: (laughs) I'm not the biggest Hemingway fan, so it didn't have a huge
0: impact on me. Um but yeah, I don't think I have any
1: major ones
0: that I can think of.
1: I once went to so you know how uh Karin Blixen is, is or Isaac Denison is one of my favorite mm-hmm. authors. Um I went to Denmark once to visit my brother and it was the first time I had been back since I had been an exchange student. And so in that in those like thirteen years in between I had discovered Isaac Denison and, and really loved her books and so <laughs> Her family home is just north of Copenhagen, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe an, an hour train ride or something away and probably even less than that, actually. And um, and so I I ditched my my brother um, and his family because they didn't care and they w- weren't going to take two l- tiny kids with them to, right, <laughs> to yeah. this house. And so I took the train up there and I was so excited to go to this, to, to her museum and, and it's like a manor house that's on the harbor. And I was so excited and I misread the directions and I walked so far in the other direction or like it was the right direction, but I didn't make a turn that I was supposed to. Oh yeah. And so I remember stopping someone finally and asking where is this house and they said oh you're really far away oh no and so I walked back and I only had maybe 20 minutes I would say before the museum closed and I was so I just could like run in and look as fast as I could and then go back out and I was so sad because I had made this whole day trip just to to do this pilgrimage so well um, that's a sad story yeah have you ever gotten back there since no, I haven't. Oh. I, I've told my brother I want to go, and every time he, I bring it up, he changes the subject. So... Because oh. <laughs> that's the kind of relationship I have with my brother. <laughs> he hasn't recovered from the Laura Ingalls Wilder Yeah, excursion, the trauma. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, but I think it's, you know, so many of those houses that belong to authors have been repurposed into museums dedicated to them that's mm-hmm. that's a fairly common thing and so so if you're a fan of of a certain author it's worth it to look up and see if if you know if they're dead not not now <laughs> not if, don't show um, up at their house if they're like no. hanging out with a cup of coffee and writing a book can you imagine <laughs> me like that's to Pat Conroy's house? <laughs> <laughs> oh so so that's you know, if you're if you're looking for things to do when you're out traveling, that can be a fun thing to mm-hmm. to explore.
0: Yeah. All right. Any um, any other co- sort of bookish places? Other you know? Those are the I three guess? big ones. Yeah.
1: Um, once I was in China visiting my sister, and we went to this place in her her town, which is a small city, but it's like the biggest city I've ever been to. Basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called Suzhou, and we went to um, a place called Tiger Hill, and I actually don't remember at all what the significance of it is now. This was about ten years ago, and there was a woman there who was doing Chinese calligraphy, and I kind of lumped that in with bookish stuff because mm-hmm. yeah. you know stationery is fun. Yeah. And so she carved. You know how how um part of Chinese calligraphy is to is to like make to to get a stamp and to. You know, make your mark of, mm-hmm. of your signature, basically, mm-hmm. and so you could tell her what you wanted on your stamp, like you you could say the word that she that she would carve into it right before you, and so she did this sort of stylized carving of whatever I picked, and and so I bought that as a, as a souvenir, and it was I mean obviously very catered to tourists and stuff, but it was still a really cool thing to to get to bring home with me so yeah neat I still that
0: yeah I definitely think there's a crossover with book lovers and people who like pretty notebooks and yeah for sure that sort of thing
1: you are the queen of that you have a whole drawer full of pens
0: (laughs) why you gotta call me out like that because I like it too
1: (laughs) yes I do I have
0: a lot of pens although I'm trying not to buy any more because when I moved, it was just evident how many I have, yeah. and I don't need more right now. So Moving I am, changes your perspective on a lot of things. It does. It does. It doesn't take too long to sort of drift back into old habits, but totally. That's what actually I'm doing okay with. Oh, good. Um, yeah, that's when I... I don't know if it's just because we've been... I don't know why. And I actually... This is kind of funny. Since we've been working from home, I feel like I'm using more of my pens because I just tend to... Like, I'll pick up whatever's around. Yeah. And I don't know. I... Which is funny, but I still have 9,000 that need to be used, but,
1: because I like different colored pens. Right. And, and different yeah. textures and stuff. Yeah. So, uh. Uh,
0: but yeah, so the calligraphy, I feel like people, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of crossover there between yeah. people who like books and people who like, like letter, letter, what do you call it? A lettering or something like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. For sure. um, Anything all right, any, any else, else you
1: can think of? I I think I, I mean, well, there's others I, I could say, come up with, but... Yeah,
0: I was going to say used bookstores. We didn't really talk about used bookstores at all, but that's, yeah. I love, I love used bookstores. I love a good library book sale, just mm-hmm. like that. That's, I love all
1: that stuff, but... Yeah, you've done a, a few of those since you've lived there where you've gone to...
0: Yeah, so, well, not right now, of course. In fact, right. the one um, where I live now, Wake County, has one big annual one, mm-hmm. and they they, so weekend long one where there's um like almost like a big warehouse at the fairgrounds that they just I think they collect books all year round for that one event oh wow and then you can come and um buy books and they get cheaper as the days go on so by the (laughs) end I think that's very common again in library book sales at the last day you can get a bag for like five dollars or something like that um but I always like doing that I don't know there's a lot of uh, for some reason, I prefer a paperback to a hardcover. Right. Um, so I like finding paperbacks of books that I maybe missed when they came out and something I wanted to read, but I didn't read it when it was a new release. And so now it's in paperback and I grab it for a dollar or two. I don't know why I, I love it. And then yeah, it sits on my shelf until I'm ready to read it. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that's all. I mean, you're much more of kind of a bookish visitor than I am I don't I don't tend <laughs> to do it that much but it was fun to talk about the ones yeah. that I
1: do go to or that I have been to I should um, and say hearing that, about yours yeah now you can go to all of them yes exactly It'll be fun I should say that Nevermore Books is actually a used bookstore too so oh um, right yes so I think I've been there once yeah. yeah
0: all right well we will be right back then with what we're reading this week
1: Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? I am reading, I just started listening to a book called Love in Catalina Cove by Brenda Jackson. This
0: sounds like a romance novel.
1: Yes, this is a romance novel, So, which is unusual for me, but I am doing a read-a-thon this weekend that is a Juneteenth read-a-thon. Oh, nice. So it actually starts, um, we're recording early. Um, yeah. I think we'll post this a, a while from now but um, so Juneteenth is on uh, June 19th and mm-hmm. so we're recording this before that so um, the idea for this one is to read um, books by black authors the first day and then authors of color uh, the second day mm-hmm. and um, and so I was just trying to kind of think of some, some uh, audiobooks to to load into my phone. And I realized I had this advanced copy of, of this book on my shelf that I had just randomly found at work. And when I saw it at work, I realized that this is my, like the, the part of me that loves just a really satisfying sense of place book. This is, this is what I'm going for right now. Cause I want it to be light and probably small town just because that's that's what feels good right now to me um and so i i just put this into my phone and and found that i could get it from the library on audio so i started listening to it um and brenda jackson is an author that's been around forever and Mm -hmm. you see her constantly and um she's been writing since 1994 and is is considered kind of one of the trailblazing authors Mm -hmm. of of black romance um, and she's super successful And I just have, you know, in my job I, I put her on lists all the time But I've never picked up anything by her And so I thought, well, that, that looks fun And it has a pretty cover, so mm-hmm. let's go for this So um, so it's about a woman named Vashti And she is from Catalina Cove, uh, Louisiana But she left after a teen pregnancy And the baby didn't survive So she left and she's never been back She she broke up with the, the father of the baby And, and has just left that that part of her life behind. And so now she's really successful and lives in New York City and works as a hospitality executive. And she finds out that her aunt, I can't, I'm barely into this book, and so I I don't have a lot of details about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But her aunt has died and has left her the bed and breakfast that she had had built up and developed um, throughout her life. And Vashti really loved it too, but she doesn't want it. And so she gets a great offer on the land for like, $10 10 million dollars or something like that like like she would be really set for life with with the sale but the town won't let her sell it they they have um zoned it in certain ways and they're not willing to let her do what um what the the buyer is interested in doing so she decides that she's going to to fly down there and fight the city council and just before she's set to leave she's laid off when her boss actually sells the business to a competitor so she's a little bit adrift um and but not really you know worried about money or anything so she goes down to Catalina Cove for the first time and she hopes that now she can sell it and get the money and just travel and live the life that her aunt had always wanted to live but she was saddled by the bed and breakfast so at the car rental place in New Orleans um she is offered a red convertible and she sort of jokes around with the the um agent selling or a renting the car and um she is warned that she's likely to be pulled over because it's a red convertible and she decides she's going to go for it anyway and says she's not going to go a mile over the speed limit so as she's driving into town the sheriff sawyer grisham does pull her over and um for speeding and there are sparks but not the good kind of sparks so so she's kind of going down a uh um you know, an enemies to lovers path mm-hmm. with, with this meeting. Um, and that's as far as I've gotten. So I don't know what else happens, but I I read the description, um, but I don't have like first hand detail of, of what happens in the book. So apparently the bed and bre- breakfast when she gets there is in terrible disrepair and she you know isn't interested in in doing anything with it but she is given an opportunity to fix it up that she can't pass by and so she decides that she's going to go for it and make a fresh start in Catalina Cove and so of course there are secrets that are going to come out and change everything um that she thinks is is kind of going for her at this point in her life and so she wants to run away but Sawyer and his daughter um are becoming invested in her staying and and making a new home there so this feels extremely Hallmark movie to me, which I am all here for. So, um, so far it's, it's pretty fun and the writing's good. And I think this will hit the spot for my need for light books right now, but um, also feature um, some uh, authors that, that I haven't read before and, and diversify my reading a little bit. So I'm excited about that. And that is Love in Catalina Cove by Brenda Jackson
0: this makes you want to read other romances by black authors uh beverly jenkins is not to be missed oh for sure yeah she's amazing all right so what i'm reading this week is also a romance actually i'm listening to it as an audiobook wow uh, as well
1: (laughs) We might not plan that no heaven forbid we're called airheads by um (laughs) reviewers for, for having too many
0: romances too many romances on our list sorry it's not the right podcast if you don't want romances and chiclet sorry um so okay so sorry the one i'm listening to is the happy ever after playlist by abby jimenez which i read her first book last year which is called the friend zone and really enjoyed it and so i was um pretty excited to pick this up and i had listened to the friend zone so i decided to do the second book as an audio as well and it's great it's one of i think i talked about this possibly when we did our audiobook narrator episode but um it's one of it's the setup is it's told from both perspectives of the hero and heroine and so the audiobook is set up that when it's the woman's perspective it's a woman reading it when it's oh, man's yeah. perspective it's a man reading it which i really like and um, particularly when romances do that for some reason it's just i just love it and so that's the way this is set up it's two very good narrators And um, it starts with one day Sloan, who's the main female character, is driving home and she's sitting in a stoplight when all of a sudden a dog jumps into her car. (laughs) And she's like, well, hi, dog. (laughs) Um, So there's a phone number on um, the dog tag that she calls and nobody answers. And she leaves a message saying, please call me. I have your dog. Um, And she keeps calling over and over and over again. And the dog seems like maybe he's sick. So she ends up taking it to um, the vet, turns out that he has a urinary tract infection because he hasn't been let out often enough. And so she's thinking the owner is very neglectful. Oh, and the dog's name is Tucker, which is my dog's name, Aww. which makes me happy. Uh, but anyway, and so she, she keeps trying to call the owner and doing her due diligence. But after about two weeks, she has not heard back. And she thinks, OK, well, I'm keeping this dog. I mean, there's no other they they checked for a microchip and the microchip was attached to that same phone number and nobody's responding so clearly the person the owner doesn't want the dog so she decides to keep it so basically just as she's decided to keep it she hears back from the owner and it turns out he is a musician and he has been touring in australia and new zealand and went off for a camping trip or something where he was out of cell service for a couple of weeks so as soon as he gets the messages he calls her and she said, What are What the heck? Why are you in Australia? Like, who's watching your dog? Because your dog is with me. And nobody, clearly nobody was looking for it because she posted it on all the lost dog sites and stuff. Well, it turns out this girl that he was sort of dating, sort of not dating, was supposed to be watching the dog. She didn't really care that the dog went missing. And he is in Australia. And so they make a deal, Sloan and uh, Jason is his name, that he was going to have to board the dog because he's so far away for the remainder of his uh, tour that he's on. And she said, no, 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 don't board him. I'll just keep him. And so they make arrangements that, um, when they first, when he first gets back, of course, he'll take the dog back. And, but they start, they're kind of flirty a little bit on the phone and then they start texting each other a lot. And it starts with updates about the dog and then it turns into a little bit more, more flirtation and more about each other. They're, they they do this little thing where they're allowed to ask a question of each other each day and get to know each other that way and it's clear there's a lot of chemistry that they have but the um the thing that's complicated well a couple of things are complicating at first sloan was engaged and her fiance died several years before two about two years before and she's still grieving she has she's trying to move on with her life but um hasn't dated at all and feels like it's a little bit of a a betrayal to her uh fiance to move on uh, or move forward i don't know that you ever really move on but move forward um and then also jason turns out to be a famous musician who she actually loves like she loves his songs and his songs have gotten through her her through some hard times but when he when they first start texting he has a stage name so jason is his real name but he has a stage name that's jackson and so she doesn't realize at first who she's striking up this conversation with. So they make this deal that when he gets back, they'll go out and they won't, she doesn't want to call it a date. They call it an appointment. I think (laughs) that when they're going to switch back ownership of the dog, that they'll hang out for a little bit. And they immediately hit it off when they meet in person. I mean, all of the chemistry that they had through phone and texting is just amplified when they meet in person and very, very quickly they develop feelings for each other. But, um, within a several week time period jason's supposed to leave to go on a year-long tour or something like that it's his first big break he was sort of like a smaller independent artist and now he is being um, backed by a label and they're sending him out on this big publicity tour and he's uh i think it's his first headlining tour and so they're wondering what's going to happen and um should she go with him? But it's kind of crazy after just a couple of weeks of knowing each other. And she's still dealing with the feelings of moving on from her fiance. So that's about as far as I, I've gotten to. I think that it there's a little bit of a spoiler in the title. It's called the Happy Ever After playlist. <laughs> so I believe they're going to work it out. Also um, romance. It's also a romance. Um, but it's I really like their chemistry. It seems really Real and it's fun to listen to. There's a lot of humor in it. Um, there's some emotional depth about the, her loss that she's gone through and him grappling with this is his kind of big chance. like this is his shot to be a star, but he's just met this woman who's really fallen for quite hard. So I'm loving it. It's great. It's a really good audiobook. It's very entertaining. Um, like I said, it's funny and and sweet. and there the couple from the first book, The Friend Zone, are her the woman in that couple is her best friend so they make some oh, okay. appearances which is always fun i love that yeah. in romances i've talked about that before that they pop you know characters from other books pop up and you get to see what happens in their relationship too so it's super fun so that's the happy ever after playlist by abby jimenez, jimenez I think very cute yes all right so we don't really have any Thing to read off at the yeah. end of our episode reach out to us if you have any favorite bookish places you've ever been to or would recommend if, as we whenever we can travel places again oh, yeah
1: tell me where to go tell us
0: where to go. tell ann where to go she goes more places than i do but uh i'll try <laughs> i'll more try to up places, my game. yeah 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 um but yeah tell us if you've ever been anywhere that that we should go or if there's a favorite local bookstore that we should check out you can reach us uh, by email at wellreadpod at gmail.com you can find us on our facebook or twitter or instagram at wellreadpodcast please rate and review us on apple podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice our theme music is kitten by Poddington bear we keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in general <laughs> and the two <laughs> books we talked about today. And then, Anne, do you want to make put links in there for some of the places that we talked about? Oh, today? for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll get it all. Okay, awesome. All right, thank you all for listening. Happy reading. Have a great day.